This episode of The Apartment Guys is being brought to you by Greenlight Equity Group. Greenlight Equity Group acquires and operates cash-flowing multifamily assets in progressive metropolitan markets such as Salt Lake City, Idaho, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, and Columbus, Ohio. Greenlight targets consistent solid returns for its investors and a healthy environment for residents by operating high-quality, safe, clean, affordable apartment communities. To learn more about Greenlight and to sign up for the investor list, go to www.glequitygroup.com. Welcome to The Apartment Guys, where we dive deep into all things multifamily investing. Our mission is to educate, inspire, and empower real estate investors to reach their highest potential. Each week, host Tate Seamer interviews high-level guests from all over the industry who are sure to bring valuable, actionable ideas that will propel your career to the next level. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned investor, you are in the right place. And now your host, the apartment guy, Tate Seamer. Welcome everybody back to another episode of the Apartment Guys podcast. Today's is awesome, guys. You're going to love it. Chris Roberts of Sterling Rhino Capital is my guest. He holds investments or shares in investments in over 2,137 units across the country. And he and his team just closed on 112 unit value add property in Georgia and 104 unit property in Virginia. They are smoking hot right now. And we are going to get into his world and see what it is that make has made him successful and makes him tick makes their company go and what they're doing right how they got into it and uh, how they do it so hope you really enjoy it if you do please go to the apple podcast platform i think is the best place to leave a rating and review and i really appreciate that it means a lot to uh, me personally and also to our listenership it helps grow the listener base and it is massively important so i appreciate it and without further ado let's get right into it with mr chris roberts welcome everybody back to another episode of the apartment guys podcast Today is a special day. We have Mr. Chris Roberts with us, who is a multifamily entrepreneur amongst many other entrepreneur adventures he's been on. He is a founder and CEO of Sterling Rhino, Rhino Capital, and he has been a full-time entrepreneur and investor since 2007. Chris owns and operates a multi-million dollar sales and, and marketing company. And his team, he and his team run a property management business that controls his, all of his own rentals. He's also the minority partner in a point of sale software company called HiTrek POS. And Chris has a proven track record of building successful businesses. And each of his rentals or flips have realized higher than average returns. He has renovated, flipped, built, or held 12 single family residences and raw lands with funds from private individuals and or with his own personal capital. Chris holds investments or shares in over 2,137 units across the country. Can't wait to talk about that. And Chris and the Sterling Rhino team recently closed on a 112 unit value add property in Georgia and 104 unit property in Virginia. So 
good things happening with Sterling Rhino right now. Chris, welcome to the apartment, guys. I'm super stoked to have you today. Thanks, Tate. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to share with the listeners, and, and I'm really looking forward to the conversation. You bet. You bet. So listeners, I'll just right off the bat, I'll say, seek Chris out on YouTube. The, his his background, his story is 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 wonderful and interesting and inspiring. And we'll talk about that here a little bit. But he's he's a wealth of knowledge on, on a lot of different things from mindset to the technicalities of an apartment syndication. So I'm excited to talk to you about kind of the the, the wealth of, of wisdom that you have, Chris, but let's start out kind of from the beginning. Let's talk about the man behind the bio, you know, like what your roots, your childhood, what, what's important in, in making Chris Roberts who he is today. Cool. Thanks, Tate. Well, first of all, I, I'd like to say that I think oftentimes when we're in the business space, we're very quick to, and we don't try to do it. It's just our habits, but we sort of judge a book by its cover. You see somebody that owns 2000 doors. It's like, wow, they must be a rock star or someone who doesn't own 2000 doors. And you say, oh, well, they don't have any experience. Mm -hmm. But what we oftentimes don't take the time to do is really truly get to know people beyond the veil, right? Understand what motivates, what inspires them, what drives them, what, what made that person successful or what holds them back from being successful. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and one thing I've done throughout my entire life is, is really been intrigued by people's failures and successes. So I, I dive in and I ask a lot of questions and I really like hearing people's stories genuinely. I want to know all about Tate. You know, I, I really, I want to understand what got you where you are today and what's really holding you back because I learn a lot through that journey right with you. And so as a young person, what, what really sort of inspired me, I think at a young age, and I can only say this now going back, but what inspired me was the struggles that I was going through as a young person and I'll get into that a little bit, but I was going through these struggles and I was thinking, you know, there's got to be something better. There's, there's got to be a better way there, I would see, I would see uh, families with, you know, these white picket fences and, and houses and my friends with the pools and things like that. And, you know, I was moving around with different family members and mom was struggling and, and dad was struggling and my, my stepdad. And, and I, I just, I thought there was more to life than, than what we were going through, although I didn't know what that looked like at the time. And I, I grew up in some rough neighborhoods, was jumped as a kid a few times, had to hide on my way to and from school many times to avoid, you know, gangs and troublemakers. And, and just, it, it just was, it was challenging. And it's really hard to focus at school and go through all those things when you're trying to, you know, get to school safely or get home from school safely. So my mother moved me out of that area when I was 15 years old. She happened to move back to Southern California where we were living. And I stayed up in Southern Oregon and actually about, I, I would say three to six months later, somewhere in there, I went out on my own, ironically, at the age of 15. And that's mm -hmm. really where I started to cut my teeth on, you know, it's just survival and, and friendship and, and building teams and just becoming sort of an independent person at a very young age. And then was fortunate to come across a mentor at the age of 18. And he kind of put me on the right path. And then I developed a sales career and started getting into stocks and real estate and things of that sort and built several businesses. So that's really what inspired me and kind of kind of got me on the right path was sheer struggle and challenge and just really feeling like there was more to life. And then being fortunate enough to cross paths with people that were able to put me in a lane and direct me in the right way. And, and I, I, I'd be amiss if I didn't say that, you know, staying away from 
you know, joining gangs or, or doing, you know, bad things as a kid, like getting into drugs and things like that didn't help me along that journey because I stayed completely away from all of that and allowed me to have great clarity as I grew up. And I would encourage any young person to do the same thing if you really want to have some success in life. Yeah. You know, I was, I've heard you tell a story about being jumped as a kid and, on the, I think it was on your way to or, or from school and honestly brought, brought a tear to my eye. It, it really affected me. And you, you described it so well, the, the feeling of, of being balled up on the ground and, and just wondering if you might even die. Like that, that level of, of fear and that level of like pain and, and just being hated by, by bullies I got to be honest, I've never dealt with that before. And uh, I can't imagine how that uh, must have felt at the time. And, and more importantly, like how that shaped you moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Tate. And I, I actually, I appreciate that. Thank you. The, the, the purpose of, I actually did a, a video about fear to try mm-hmm. to inspire young people to get through adversity and challenge. And that video is actually, it's only posted on my LinkedIn account. If you go there and you look, it's, it's posted with a series of other videos, but that video, I described that whole process growing up and challenges and overcoming adversity and fear and all that stuff. And I, the point of that video was to show people that, and I know this is off real estate tangent, but I, I think it's relevant to what yeah, inspires us, right? Absolutely. Growing up in that environment, and not that other kids don't go through that stuff, but I don't think it's talked about very much because you're looked at at what you're doing today. What have you done for me lately? You know, And no one thinks about what someone got through to get there. And I think what's great about that story is that I talk about how I was at my lowest point as a child and mm-hmm. how I use that to actually drive me to make friends, to change my character, my attitude, really develop speaking skills to try to make friends and, and create that circle of influence that would support me, right? Instead of beat me down, if you will, figuratively and literally. Mm-hmm. And so, so the purpose of that was really just to try to take people to a place where I know we've all been. Most of us have had that really tough, dark moment in our lives. It, it could have been financial, could have been a relationship, could have been something. And then to use that to actually drive you just like you use that to drive you through fear and such. And then you can actually become a really good problem solver, a really good communicator. You gain clarity because you're inspired by something really, really deep. It's not something that's superficial. And so that was kind of the purpose of that video was just to, to try to help people to go to that place and then realize that there's life beyond that place. And here's how you can be successful after. So. Yeah. And you get into the three principles of fear uh, of dealing with fear in an effective way. And I think it's actually, since, since, since we went there, I think it's worth talking about uh, because it is so powerful. You talk about, number one, reframing your fear. Number two, building a strategy where you can visualize and see yourself outside of the fear, essentially. Those are my words. And then three, putting in the work that that you're, that you've set in front of yourself with the strategy you've put into place. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's not unlike, which is why I think it, and, and I do lots of videos, but I think the fear one is really relevant because it's about structure processes, accountability, 
And, and like you said, it's like, well, now how do you put in the work to overcome the fear of the challenge or to buy a hundred plus unit multifamily asset or a single family or whatever? And we can dive into like my first single family, which is a, is a great, I guess, lesson in how to problem solve and, and get to the yes and get to where your goals are. But yeah, absolutely. It just sets a foundation and the principles are really about you uh, dissecting and breaking down that thing in front of you, this firewall, if you will, of fear and getting through it. And you have to have guidelines, processes, goals, systems, strategies. You have to have all of that stuff to really accomplish anything in life. You can wing it, mm-hmm. but it's going to take you forever and you may not actually get to the goals. And so that's the purpose of kind of putting these three principles in play and then talking about how other people like Navy SEALs and so on and so forth actually use similar principles to get through what they go through. So anyways. Yeah. And, and I love in that in that talk that on YouTube that you did, you talk about embracing the suck, the Navy, <laughs> the Navy SEALs principle of embrace the suck. <laughs> I love that my, my business partner and I have, have used that phrase over the last few years, even over, we had a couple of projects that didn't go so well. And, and man, you, like you just, you got to, you have to, otherwise, otherwise it, it over, it empowers you or overpowers you rather. And will knock you off your game if you're not embracing it and, and nurturing it and everything else. Right. Absolutely. And I, I think, I think the, the point of the embrace the suck thing, which I absolutely love, I've never been a mm-hmm. Naval SEAL, full disclosure. I, I couldn't hack it. Those guys are they're yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> and girls, they're, they're amazing. Yeah. But, but I went through some law enforcement training because I was a reserve police officer for five years. And through that process, there was an awful lot of fear. And we talk a little bit about that in the video as well, but it's, it's okay. How do you just identify it, be it a challenge in a multifamily asset? right? Underwriting, a seller, a deal starts blowing up, whatever. How do you identify and just use it to drive you and just embrace it and say, okay, I I literally know there's going to be pain and suffering. I know there's going to be challenges. I know there's going to be things that I just absolutely dislike today, but I'm just going to think past that and use that to pull me to the other side, if you will, right? It's like falling in a crevasse mountain climbing. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've got to get out of this crevasse. What do I do? Well, I climb the rope. This is totally going to suck. It's going to be painful, but there's systems and processes to get me out of this crevasse. And I've climbed mountains. So we use that analogy as well. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. how do I just get out? That's it. Mm -hmm. How do I get through it? So anyways, it's, it's good times, but I think it's, Instead of just blindly running through life and trying to accomplish things, I think if you put good systems in, in place and actually just identify the reality that's coming, right, you can get through it with ease as long as you have the right team around you and, and good processes. Oh, man, you are so speaking to, to me right now and uh, a business, a specific business situation that, that my partner and I are dealing with and it, that it, the, being in the crevasse and trying to, trying to figure out like the way out. Right. And a lot of times there's only one way and you're either doing it or you're not. And I've done, I've done some mountain mountaineering. I've done some canyoneering and, and in a Canyon, when you're 300 feet below the ground, essentially, and you've got to repel a hundred feet down a free repel to get out of the Canyon. And there's no turning around there. Like you can't go back up and out. Like I know that feeling real well. And and it's, it's either, it's either, I don't want to say do or die, but it, sometimes it really can be that. And so I think that's just, I think somebody out there needed to hear that today. If it, if it wasn't just me, hopefully a listener is feeling inspired by being in a challenging situation that is, feels overwhelming, feels like 
there may not be a way out and just embracing the suck and, and, and grabbing onto that ladder, that rope ladder that's hanging down into the crevasse and just starting to climb up and out of it. Right. Absolutely. Can yeah. I, can I give you, I, it's sort of an analogy story as it sure. relates to, and we'll, we'll dovetail this to multifamily, but so I'm an, I'm an advanced rescue scuba diver. I went through training to go to become an advanced rescue scuba diver. And shortly after my training, I was diving with some new students and I was, I'm not a teacher. I just happen to be qualified in safety. And we're at like 60 feet deep and we're on this pipeline and I'm with two brand new students. I think they were on like their sixth dive or something. And they're about the max they can dive. And we're with another advanced guy like me. He's with one guy and I'm with another and we're cruising along and I'm, I'm watching his air and new students usually breathe really fast, right? So you always watch them. And I, I had controlled my breathing, I had dry suits and everything. And so I'd always watch the new students. Even my partner who was advanced, I would watch his student because you just don't know. And it's all about safety when you're a rescue. He wasn't a rescue guy, I was. So I was always watching everybody. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. I like that leadership role where you're responsible for everyone, right? So I'm watching his air. And in diving, generally you have three to 3,000 to 3,200 PSI. And I'm watching him and I'm at probably 1,700 or 2,700 PSI. And he's mm-hmm. down to like 1,000 already. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's way, way down. And I realize he's breathing fast, right? Mm-hmm. And he sees these fish. And long story short, we, I keep watching him and I notice he gets down to like 700. And I'm still at like 22, 2,300. So I've got a lot of time left. And I'm signaling him. I'm telling him, hey, you know, we need to start heading back. And he's looking at me. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. Mm. And I'm telling him, no, look, you know, look at your gauges. And he's no, no. And he's look, he looks at his gauge and he's like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm good. Mm. And he's, he's ignoring the signs. He's ignoring his training. He's ignoring everything. Right. Because he has this sort of shiny nickel in front of him. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you the example in, in multifamily as well. Okay. So, or the parallel, I guess, is he's looking at this and I've never told this story, by the way, on any podcast, it just crossed my mind as we were talking. So I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, and I'm watching it. I'm, I'm like, he, he doesn't get it. Like he's, he's fixated on this, these fish, this pipeline. And I, I'm telling him basically danger, danger, right? I grab him and he ignores me and he swims off and he's going deeper. And as you go deeper, your oxygen condenses more and you have less oxygen as you go deeper. So I swing along and I grab him and I start pulling him back, right? As mm-hmm. we start swimming back, he finally gets it and he says, okay, okay. And I look at him and I try to give him my extra octo, my, my extra breather, breathing device. And I say, hey, you know, put this in your mouth because you have a secondary, right? Because I know he's going to run out of air. And he, oh, no, no, I'm fine. And we're swimming along and he's slowly swimming along because you have to decompress. You can't just go up. Mm-hmm. We get to probably 30 feet deep and I'm holding him at this point because I don't want him to get out of my sight. And he looks at me and his eyes, I've, I have not seen this since. I've never seen it. His eyes were so big. He ran out of air. Oh, my okay? gosh. And we're at 30 feet. Now you can shoot straight to the top and you're not going to die. As long as you breathe out, you don't want air in your lungs because then you can have a problem. Okay. But he's so new, he, he wouldn't have even done that. He, he probably would have held his air because you panic when you're brand new, right? He only had six dives. I had, I think 90 dives at the time. So I grabbed the Octo and I, I, I put it, I put it, you know, secondary breathing device in his mouth and he finally grabs it. And then I, I grab him by his, you know, cause then you grab, cause if you break loose, he's going to lose his air. So sure. I grab him and I, and I, and I said, I, I'm looking at him. I'm, I'm, you know, not in my head, calm down, calm down. And he calms down. And then I said, we're going to go up and I start putting air in and we start slowly going up and then we stop at like, you know, however many feet and then we go back up and we get up 
and he's hyperventilating. He doesn't even have enough air to, to, to fill his, his device to have him float. And he has no wherewithal to even pull his manual device out to blow up his device to hold him up. So he's so panicked and freaked out that, I mean, if he wasn't with us, right, with advanced people, who knows what would have happened, right? right. Um, he probably would have shot up from 50 or 60 feet, maybe caused some damage or whatever, but likely wouldn't have died. My point is this. What was interesting about that was it really made me appreciate the safety in diving because I had not experienced that even in diving rescue classes. They take your stuff out, they throw you around, they beat you up and you have to survive and find your air and all that stuff, but nothing like that, nothing real life. And -hmm. that really taught me a lot about problem solving and being calm and thinking through things and really thinking ahead on the what ifs, right? And my point is when we got out, I actually drug him back. It was probably 200 yards to shore because he was so exhausted. He had that adrenaline dump that he couldn't even swim. He just laid on his back and was like panicked. So I drug him back. We get back and there's actually a class being held, the same class that he was trained in. And his instructors are looking at him like, because, you know, they see what happened. I mean, he, you know, I'm dragging him back. And, and today I think about some of those scenarios in my life. And there's many I could tell you about mountain climbing. I won't go into all of it, but the way I think about those scenarios is when you go in to buy an asset or you go to start a business or you do anything in life, you have to think 10 points ahead. You have to think, what if these folks you know, don't follow through with what they say they're going to do? What if I find a problem during my due diligence and my money went hard, for example, right? What if I can't execute my plan? Are there four or five safety measures I've put in place? And like in law enforcement or military, they say, you know, one is none and two is one. So it's like, you need two flashlights, you need two keys, you need two weapons, you need two everything because Mm -hmm. one might fail. So the point is, as we parallel this story into multifamily or single family or anything else, and it goes back to this life story I was kind of starting to tell you about overcoming adversity is what in your life are you doing to prepare you for embracing the suck? What are you Mm -hmm. doing in your life to prepare you for literally running out of air? And if you want a really good story on about running out of air and success and the parallel there, look up Eric Thomas. He tells this story about a salesperson who wants to who wants to succeed, and his mentor holds him underwater, and he's fighting to breathe. And then he, when he finally gets up, he's like, you know, when you want success as much as you want to breathe, you will be successful. And it's really powerful the way he tells the story. I cannot come up with another example that's more powerful than the story he tells. It's phenomenal. He's a motivational guy. But the point is, you have to think about those things when you're getting into this space, because I think a lot of folks get into real estate with wide eyes. They think passive cash flow, wealth, network. I want to be rich. I want to do this. I want to do that. Not realizing that there's a tremendous amount of work, a tremendous work amount of back end problem solving, right? What ifs, fail safes, five scenarios to protect the investment as you go in just in case, like the conservative underwriting. And I think it's really, really important for everyone, especially when they're brand new, to be thinking about all those things and not be focused so much on just buying something, right? Or finding a deal. Be focused on all the moving parts that go into it and surround people around you that complement your successes and weaknesses so that you don't run out of air or you mm-hmm. don't fall in that crevasse and can't get out or whatever it may be, right? So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that. But I just, it crossed my mind when you were telling the story. And I, I thought, man, that's, that, that would make perfect sense to like the real estate scenario, you know, just not paying attention, being all excited and wide-eyed and boom, you're out of air. Oh, again, like just speaking right to me, I, I it went right to a, the, a couple scenarios where as a young investor, 
you're just, you just want to do deals. And I mean, as a seasoned investor, you just want to do deals. And if the deal flow is less than ideal and you're not seeing as, as, as much as you'd like to see when one comes along and you like the project and you like the asset and the location and everything else, but man, those property taxes just totally blow the underwriting, right? Like it's tough. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you want to, you, you want those numbers to work. And if you're, if, if you don't have the wisdom that you were just speaking to, and I think the last part in particular that you spoke to, which is having the people around you, like if that piece is there in this, in your inside of your business and you have the, the right thought leaders in your business and around your business and in your life and your personal life, it's, pretty hard to make a really big mistake. I think if you're utilizing that network well, and you're, you know, you're, you're taking uh, deals, let's talk only for a minute. You're taking deals to multifamily uh, seasoned experts that will tell you what to look out for. And, and we'll see a red flag uh, a mile away with a particular property or a particular market or whatever, having, having those people in place. And you spoke much earlier in the call about in the podcast about your mentor and having those key people is invaluable and and priceless and you almost can't put words to to the value of some of those key people in in your life the way that they come along at the right time and just almost gently point you in the right direction either by example or by suggestion i've i've had it i've had it all and i've been super blessed by that so but that doesn't, that hasn't meant, that hasn't led to not making a few, mis, you know, big mistakes in our, in our career. It's just, it's, it's, it's more often than not, when you hear the story of a, of a successful investor and somebody that's, that's just out killing it right now, they've had a chapter in their careers that was, you know, pretty dark, a bad deal or a bad series of deals or, or, or whatnot. So yeah, you, you speak to that very nicely. Thank you. You know, I, I think also, and I really appreciate that, we're, we, we love giving back, we love helping people and just trying to articulate, you know, how to put people in a position to be successful, whether people invest with us on our deals, they invest with other people, or they're starting a business or matter of fact, friends, family, I've given a lot of advice with regards to finance and just personal relationships and development and just trying to just trying to literally make the world a better place because I saw not just in my in my youth and growing up, but also on the law enforcement side of things when I was a reserve, how how really bad it can be on the other side of that positive thinking and that that great environment that a lot of us are so blessed to be in, which is mm -hmm. you know owning multi million dollar assets, right? I mean, it's really it's a blessing, and you've got to be so grateful and so thankful. And so, if you don't mind, I'd like to touch on you know what kind of steps do you put in place to get you to where folks like us are, where we're building out these great portfolios, right? Like what in life can you do to get you there? Not just reading a real estate book or 10 or going to a seminar or listening to podcasts, which is a great, I mean, I listen to tons of them, right? Including yours. But what are some of the steps in your life you can do to prepare you for this process? And, and here's what I like to talk about is one, where are you in your personal professional life? Okay. So what do you do in your own personal finances to set you up with the right mindset? And what I mean by that is, Yes, you can get into this space with no money. People talk about it. I don't recommend it. It's not easy. And, and I didn't do it. I had a little bit of money that I saved, right? So let's talk about that. 
When I got into the real estate space, I literally used my car payments to buy my first property. I saved, I drove the same car, uh, 450,000 miles, and I used those car payments as I saved them to then put down on my first bank-owned property. And then I renovated it myself, swung the hammers. I worked eight, nine hours a day at my one job. And then I went and took my trailer and my rig, and I went and drove out to the property, replacing the floors, doing the paint, hiring part-time guys to help, and ground it out you know, for six weeks and then put that property in the market, rented it, cash flowed, you know, 300 bucks or whatever. But, but the, the point is that I, I lived below my means and mm-hmm. I had the right mindset and I had the right hustle and I did most of it myself so that I could learn. And then eventually you get really good at it. You build your business model and you can hire people to do those things. But I cut my teeth and learned a lot by going through that process. And then as you get growing, you don't spend the cash flow you reinvest the cash flow in your business model, right? So that you can exponentially grow. And if you're fortunate enough to take that cash flow and get another property, another property, then you continue taking the cash flow, right? So you're you're continually living below your means and you're increasing your streams of cash flow, right? Mm-hmm. That way you can take those streams of cash flow and reinvest them. And eventually you get to this threshold, which Travis talked about, where you start building that free life, that that fire, and you get to that yeah. position where now you can live off of that cash flow, right? So I just encourage people. Take a look in the mirror and make sure that you're paying attention to your habits in life, the way you treat others, what you want to give to the world so you can draw those positive people around you to help you with your business, perhaps, and then live below your means financially so that you can use those funds to make you money and work really, really hard for you. And that's how you can start to dive into this space and then you'll grow it inevitably as long as you stay focused and put the hours in. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. And the, the fire lifestyle is one that we talk about on the podcast fairly often. And I'm, I haven't mentioned this on the podcast yet, but I'm getting ready to publish a, a short ebook on the fire lifestyle, which is financial, it stands for financially independent, retire early. And specifically, we all believe Travis and, and myself and Chris and, you know, thousands of other multifamily investors believe that apartment investing in particular, setting up passive cash flow through cash flowing assets that you that you own and that produce continual, predictable, ongoing cash flow is one of the best, most efficient ways to achieve that vision and that lifestyle. And so that's you know, we love to talk about it. It's, it's, it's such a fun thing to visualize. And so for listeners out there, take a second, even right now, where, where, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, if you're on the treadmill, if you're in the car and just maybe visualize something that, that you haven't given yourself permission to visualize in in your life, like something that you, if you were financially independent and retired early, what, what would that look like? What would you be doing? What would you be spending your time doing? What would your experiences in life look like? Maybe what car would you be driving or kind of house would you be living in? But I think more importantly, taking a second and visualizing the, the quality of, of time that you get to spend with your family and, and the, the gifts that you get to give back to, to people the way that Chris does through his teaching and and, and Chris, I'd just like to say, if you ever start a coaching program, I'll sign up first, man. I'm, I'm all about <laughs> Thanks, it. Tate. I think you'd be a natural at that. Everything that you, that you know and talk about really, I think would lend perfectly to that. But, and, and, and then one other takeaway there is I've heard it said that financial stewardship, 
the way that you treat your own personal finances really does inform how cash flow shows up in your life. In other words, if you think about money as energy and, and not to get too woo woo, but if you think about the energetics of money, money is not going to necessarily be attracted to somebody that doesn't take good care of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, conversely, somebody that does take good responsible care of money and invest it and, and makes it work for them and producing more cash flow and more money, that is magical attraction that like, to me, that, that is an amplifier uh, of what, of what's possible in the way of, fi of financial cash flow. So just to, just to piggyback a little bit there, Chris, on, on what you said about your personal habits and your finances and living below, you know, living below your means, essentially. Yeah, I'd, I'd tell you, that's a great point. I, I would love to sort of, I guess, hammer home or articulate a point or, or, or give the audience something to visualize here and think about. It's really difficult when you see people that are successful, you know, to, to, to understand how hard they worked to get there and really, really to understand like that iceberg concept, you know, how much is beneath the surface, right? How many years or whatever, you know, Walmart was not an overnight success. I mean, mm -hmm. I could just go on and on. I've read hundreds and hundreds of books on businesses, corporations, money, you name it. And I'm, I'm really well educated in that space. And, and the one common denominator there is that most successful people or businesses did not start overnight. And so what I would tell anyone getting into the space or even just wanting to create wealth or cash flow is, if you're willing to sacrifice now, it doesn't matter if you're 20, 30, or 40. If you're willing right now to look in the mirror, write a little business plan, it can be just a couple bullet points, put it on your whiteboard, right? What inspires you? Where do you want to be? You know, what motivates you, whatever. And inspiration and motivation are obviously clearly different things. So you need to understand the difference and write down what does each for you and figure out, okay, what am I willing to sacrifice right now? Because if I sacrifice right now, let's just say in 10 years, okay? Even if it, you might get, you might get a deal in a year or, or financial freedom in a year, but let's just say you said 10 years. If I sacrifice now, in 10 years, where could I be if I sacrificed? If I saved a couple of coffees a month or I drove the same car for an extra couple of years, or I just, I didn't get the fancy house because we just had to have 3000 square feet when we could really live in 1500, right? Mm -hmm. And you took those funds and you invested them appropriately. Think about this for a second. If you took you know, if you took $100,000 and you put it into a multifamily asset, passively even, right? And that thing annually on average, you know, collects 15, 16, 17%, okay? It's easy to see if you continued investing, say even just 25,000 a year in that multifamily space along with that original 100. And there's calculators available for this, but within a 10-year time frame, you could create literally more money than you would get on social security if social security is even available when all of us get there, right? right. Now, right. the reason I'm, I'm telling you to visualize that is because I think it's hard for people to quantify. They see people buying, they see stock market, they see the ups and downs, and they don't really put a lot of time into their finances and school doesn't teach you anything about it. So I want you to think about how do I get to a position where I replace social security, right? Or I replace the medical bills that I'm probably going to have right? Mm -hmm. Or I replace the lifestyle that I want to live and don't need a job to do it. Because if you think about those things and you start putting things in place early, don't, don't be in a rush. Just start making those sacrifices now. And it could be a year, it could be 10 years. But I'm telling you, 10 years is a very reasonable amount of time. And I'm just going to give your listeners something to be inspired by, okay? And this isn't to brag or anything, but I, I want them to understand the power of this thought process. And this is not today. This is 
a while ago, but within a five-year time frame, okay, within a five-year time frame, I developed enough passive cash flow to create a hundred thousand dollars, okay, annually, okay. So, just with the power of positive thinking and hard work and investing in multifamily assets and single families and like, you know, driving that car a little extra time and whatever, I hit this goal. Right. I also had a goal a while ago. I want to, I want to hit a certain amount of net worth. And I had a six year goal and I hit it in four years. Why? Because I realized there were certain vehicles that could exponentially grow that net worth. It didn't have to be in stocks. It didn't mm -hmm. have to be in savings. I can mm -hmm. diversify. So the point is planning structure and execution can get you there. And what's crazy is today, I'm at an age where I'm in, I'm in a very good position, let's say financially. And that's not at all, Tate, which is what you said, that inspires me. Money really doesn't inspire me. Freedom does. I, mm -hmm. I love the freedom concept. Like I could go to a beach or I could give back or I could speak at a mission. I've done that. I schools. I mean, I that I love that. That's that's fun to me, right? Teaching people. I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Grinding in corporate America, that's tough. <laughs> Hitting goals, you know, working 80 hour weeks. I mean, that's that wears on you, right? Psychologically and physically as well. So I just I just want your listeners to really do a deep dive psychologically and think, what am I willing to sacrifice? How can I put plans together? And who can I surround myself with to help me execute? And, and the multifamily stuff, there's a lot of good educators out there. I, I educate for free. Obviously, we don't, we don't charge anything for it. But even paid educators, there's a lot of really good mentors. That's a good way to accelerate your multifamily assets. But you don't, you don't necessarily have to have that. So just just take action and, and make sure that you're measuring yourself by, you know, putting it on the wall, writing it in your ledger uh, or whatever you do. And, and don't look back, man, just, just push forward. That's beautiful stuff. You uh, mentioned calculator and funny, you should mention it. You guys have a cal uh, a retirement early, a re early retirement calculator on your website, essentially. What, what, where can people find that, Chris? Yeah, you can go to sterlingrhinocapital.com. And it's yeah. a, you just put your email name in, you can opt out after if you want, but you can download it. And then we have instructional videos uh, on our YouTube channel. And we also have uh, like a 45 minute video where we actually deep dive into like five different scenarios. Someone that makes 40,000 a year, someone that makes a hundred thousand a year and how they can put these numbers in to help them to get to those goals. You know, and I, I think just, again, having tools is important. If, if you're going to stay on track, it's really hard to just write things down and work spreadsheets. Not a lot of people like spreadsheets. So we developed the tool just to show the power to our investors of early retirement. And, and full disclosure, I am not retired by choice today. Two of my partners at Sterling Rhino Capital are, and one of them uh, retired two months ago at 44. So hmm. you, you can do it early. It's there as long as you invest and diversify. Absolutely. That's, that's so exciting. So sterlingrhinocapital.com. Or is mm -hmm. it just, it's, okay, got it. Yeah, www.sterlingrhinocapital.com. Yeah, website. Yeah, mm -hmm. Perfect. So there's a calculator there. Another thing I want to mention is Chris has a, a book called You've Earned It. And the, the profits from that book go to uh, Feeding America and the Enterprise Partnership with Tony Robbins, which, dude, that's amazing. Thanks, <laughs> that's man. Super cool. Good well, job. it's it, it's it's really close to my heart because I I stood in food line, food lines when I was a kid, and I I mean I, mm -hmm. I remember how embarrassing that was, and I as I grew up and I was able to give back, I I really wanted to partner with a company that could 
you know, align with my vision and values in life. And, and they did. And Tony, full disclosure, again, we're, I'm not partners with Tony Robin, but he's an enterprise partner like I am. I'm on their national website, actually. I've got my picture profile and everything. And as a result, when I donate, he matches every dollar. So wow. today we fed, I think, over 200,000 people as a result wow. with a goal of feeding a million, which is just really cool. So thank you for mentioning that. Wow. Yeah. So by purchasing the book, you've earned it either uh, ebook, paperback, or audiobook, you, you will actually be feeding between 10 and 85 people. So yeah. And 100% of those forever go to Feeding America. We, we will never make any money off this book. It's all gone to charity. And we're really, really, um, really passionate about that. So anyways, what's, why should somebody pick up the book? What's, what's the gist of the book? Yeah, well, I tell, I tell stories really about my life growing up with the struggles and challenges. And then I, I go into some kind of cool law enforcement stories. We talk about um, mm-hmm. overcoming challenges in life, entrepreneurship. I talk a little bit about real estate. I talk about how I bought a property from Japan, the Japanese consulate for $50,000. And it was worth like 150. And it was just a unique transaction that most people have never heard of. And then, you know, it's not really a real estate book. It's really more about overcoming adversity. It's great for young people. If you're buying it for a child that you're trying to, you know, get them to understand, Mm. Hey, you got it easy. You know, there's people that have gone through a lot worse. I would say that's really what the book is for. It's probably not for the real estate investor per se, just for real estate purposes, but, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely an inspirational book. I've been told lots of really good reviews from parents. So. Nice. Nice. Good work. Thanks, man. Well, just a few uh, questions kind of my call. I I like to call it kind of my geek out questions. I, I just kind of love this stuff, but so just a few questions to kind of round out the interview here, Chris, what would you tell your younger self in particular regarding real estate? Yeah. Well, I would say, first of all, uh, get into it, dummy. What are you waiting for? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'll tell you, it's, I I waited a long time to get into it. I, I was probably in my Late, maybe mid thirties, maybe when I really first got into real estate and you know, land and stuff, maybe early thirties, late mid thirties. And I would just say, get, get in early. Even if you're just passively investing a little, or you're partnering with someone, or you're, you're buying a little rental property, don't wait. It, in my opinion, there's nothing on earth that can give you the returns the way that real estate does via a tangible asset. Now I'm sure there are more but they're not common knowledge to most people, just like stocks. Mm-hmm. You right. can make a lot of money in stocks, but the average person doesn't make a lot of money in stocks, right? right. It's the right. insider. So yeah, I, w- I would say get out of the way, dummy, and go buy some real estate. <laughs> That's what I'd tell myself. Yeah, go buy it. Yep. Best time to buy real estate was 20 years ago. The second best time is now, right? <laughs> yeah, 100%. I love it. Do you have a, uh, a why that you identify with? Yeah, you know, there's a, a lot of people are driven by you know, things that have happened in their life, money, financial freedom, all of that stuff. My why is when I was young, I I slept on people's sofas. I really struggled. You know, I I just went through challenges that not a lot of people have to go through. I mean, there's many, but not, not, not as many as you'd think. And my why is that I never wanted to want again. I Mm. I never wanted to feel that I wasn't worthy. I I wanted Mm. to be part of the team. And so my why, my work ethic, my energy and passion, enthusiasm is driven from a very young age. And I didn't know how to cultivate that energy at that young age. But as I grew, I developed a mantra and I just really, really pushed home and used that to inspire me and drive me. So my why is a very deep rooted personal why. It's not about money, but, but what drives me today, now that I'm out of that space and never have to worry about that again, 
is helping others to come out of that same place via being young and challenged or older and challenged or just not having the knowledge. So that's why we just love giving information and sharing and helping. Love it. One last one. What question have you always wanted to be asked, but no one ever has? <laughs> we'll Boy, curveball for you. Yeah, no, that's, that is an interesting question. I guess I would probably have to think about. I, I don't know that I haven't been asked a question. I, I would tell you that many people in my life will talk to me about success and they will, they, will, they will ask me questions about success. And I'm a little bewildered because when I ask them questions about you know, what they're doing in their life or their habits or whatever, as we talked about earlier, they have all these terrible habits. And so it's like they have this vision of being successful, mm -hmm. but yet they don't want to put in the work or the sacrifice to get there and they can't even see that. Right. They can't mm -hmm. see that they can't buy all the big screens all the time or drive the really fancy $80,000 car if they want financial freedom, at least early on. Right. right. So as far as asking me a question, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that people haven't asked me. But I can tell you what's interesting is people will ask me about success while not really looking in the mirror and making the moves to, to put themselves in a successful position. But that's a great question. I'll have to think through that. I'll tell you what I will do, Tate, though, is I will think about that when I come across one, because I'm sure there's one. I'm going to get it to you. <laughs> Perfect. No, I, I, and, but I love, what, I love your answer. And it reminds me of uh, what Michael Jordan said about, he was asked, I think, I think it might have been Tony Robbins that asked him this, but basically asked him why he feels like he had the success level that he had in his career. And you thought you might think he would have said, you know, his talent level, his, his, even his work ethic, teammates around him, et cetera. It wasn't any of that. He, he simply said, I just have higher standards than most people do. Gosh, I love that. You know, and, and if, if I may, just on your last question, although, although this isn't something that people really haven't asked me that I've thought about, but since you brought it up, I, I think this yeah. is interesting. Earlier when we were talking, I mentioned that I think it's really important in life, whether you want to be a syndicator, a real estate investor, a stock person, or a successful business person, it's really important to understand other people, right? And then also to share your stories. And I would say that I have the, there's this perception about me that literally I went to Harvard or some fancy college and, you know, I, I'm this successful business person. And, you know, in trainings, I've trained tens of thousands of salespeople and people will say, oh, you've done this, you do this, you do this. But I would say that no one, no one has ever asked me, which is interesting you asked this question. No one has ever asked me about what happened to me when I was younger or how did you grow up? Or, mm -hmm. you know, did you go through challenges or like what inspired you when you were younger? Anything to that effect, mm -hmm. which is really what helped me and drove me to get to where I am today. It's always about, well, how'd you buy that hundred unit building, right? Mm -hmm. Or how'd you create this? Or how are you successful in sales or whatever? And nobody really dives into the foundation of who we actually are, which mm -hmm. oftentimes starts when we're younger. So I would mm -hmm. say to anybody, if you really want to know why someone's successful, ask them about how they were raised or how they were brought up or the challenges they went through. You know, what's the number one challenge you went through in life? Not in real estate, in life. In life Tell me yeah. about that. Yeah. And you seem to have something in you that you've had your whole life, probably from day one or before that keeps it's it, it, i almost envision like a keel on a on a sailboat that just keeps the ship moving in a in a really nice even straight direction even through 
massive challenges as a kid where you you literally don't know life to be any different than swimming in the water that you're swimming in with these with the adversity that you had and the poverty and the unpredictability and the the food lines that like that is it it just is you know it's unspeakable to to go through that but to get through that took something and it points to me i i was thinking about it earlier when you were talking about it it's like it's either something that just a, a guiding principle that you had all along that that told you there was something better and that there was a way to get there and the, the, the way to get there was kind of like the straight and narrow for lack of better word uh, words but can you speak to what that is like what because so many people grow up in that environment and the vast majority of them become a product of it and become part of it again and just stay part of it sure yeah. Well, first of all, I appreciate you asking because again, this stuff isn't talked about very often. And I think this is important to know and also important to identify in yourself. You know, it may not be going through struggles when you were a kid. It could have been a business situation that fell apart or a relationship that collapsed. Mm. And I think it's so important to find that inner peace, like what really truly drives you and what inspires you to want to move forward, to want to be successful or whatever it may be. And, and for me, when I was younger, it, it really was, man, I, I want what those other people have. And I didn't even really know what that was. It just wasn't what I had, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't about money. It, it seemed like people were happy and they were living in the house and they had the, the family around and they were doing all these things. And I was bouncing around all over the place. You know, it's like family scraping dollars together to, to help me, you know, get a gi to go to karate, you know, when I'm in third grade, because they don't want me to get beat up anymore or whatever. And their grandma's taking a rent money to, you know, it's like, it's unbelievable. And I, I think what we need to do if we did not go through those struggles as individuals is we need to identify something in us that can help us relate to those struggles, to use mm-hmm. that to drive us. Because there are many people in life that haven't had those kind of struggles. They haven't had really many struggles at all, right? Mm-hmm. They, they mm-hmm. went to college. They, they were raised by great parents. They, you know, their, their biggest stress was someone saying that they looked funny on Facebook or whatever. It's like that that's their struggle. And so I, I think it's important if those folks want to be successful is that they identify some way to relate to folks maybe like me or someone else that went through things. There, there's been videos I've seen on YouTube that have brought tears to my eyes because I can relate to some of the things some people go through in the stories they tell. And I think to myself, that that right there is how is part of how that person is successful is because they're diving deep into their soul and they're using that to drive them, which is that whole embrace the suck concept and, and push through the fear and all that stuff. You know, Jack Canfield has a great saying I've, I've coined many times when I've been on interviews is, you know, everything you want is on the other side of fear. But if you haven't had a lot of fear in your life, his quote ends there. But if you haven't had a lot of fear in your life, how do you identify some fear or some challenge or someone else's to use it? to help motivate you to get to something great. Because Mm -hmm. if you don't have something that's really deep rooted that motivates and inspires you, you're probably going to give up on it, right? You're probably Mm going to, when things get tough, you're going to bail, you're going to run. If you don't have a good partner that supports you relationship wise or friendship wise or business wise, you're done. So Mm -hmm. I would say that in order to get through that process, like I did, that's what you have to identify. And that's really literally part of what drives me today. It's great. Great stuff. Well, Chris, there's, I feel like there's so much more we could talk about. I want to know all about Sterling Rhino and, and your history and how you guys do what you do, but 
we, <laughs> we that would get into another episode. So we'll have to do it again, hopefully real soon, maybe in you know the end of 2021, we'll circle back around. In the meantime, it has been a pleasure to have you on. I think we really touched on some hopefully very powerful things for some listeners. And certainly for me, there's, there's been some really nice takeaways, just looking at my, my habits, my routines, my finances, myself, like, you know, looking where I need to embrace the suck more and, 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 and really dig in and, and, you know, work on the fears you have, you and I have a shared fear of heights, fear of heights, which I know you've worked on and have (laughs) kind of overcome, but that that's a big one for me, but so many good takeaways here, Chris, and, and I really appreciate it. Again, listeners, you've earned it is the book. Sterlingrhinocapital.com is the website. There's a calculator there that you got to check out that will tell you all about everything you need uh, to know about your retirement numbers, your, your, what you need to achieve there. And uh, I'm sure there's resources. I know there's resources there that tell you how to do that and the kind of the next steps to take Chris, Chris and I both kind of, that's kind of what we do is, is help people take those next steps. So, so Chris, if there is anything that I can do for you at ever in your business or any other part of your life, please let me know. I, I feel very grateful to you. This has been a wonderful morning for, for, for our listeners. It's the day before Christmas that we're recording this and it's a snowy day here in, in Utah. And so it, this feels a bit like a fireside chat to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tate. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. And, and I know we didn't dive a lot into real estate, but we've got tons of information. It's all free. Uh, reach out to us on YouTube or, or even just email me directly at chris at sterlingrhinocapital.com. And Tate, if there's anything I could do for you, including helping you overcome your fear of heights, I would absolutely <laughs> love to do that. It's Thank been you. a pleasure uh, talking to you guys today. Thank you. Yeah. And listeners, we, we do like to bring a real nice round diversity of, of subjects and topics to the podcast that sometimes will be about forecasting property tax values next year or, you know, the ins and outs of, of due diligence and the mechanics of a deal and how syndications work and that sort of thing. But every bit is, is important, if not even more so, I think is, is this talk around mindset, where your mind is in, in your business, what you believe to be possible for yourself, what constraints you may have to overcome to get to where you want to be in life. The, it's all part of this discussion. And multifamily investing is really the vehicle that we all share and, and the, the common denominator here. But we, we all, I think, really want the same things out of life. You spoke to freedom, Chris, and I, I think whatever that looks like to each of us is, is probably at the root of why we're here, why we're doing what we're doing. And people listening to this podcast, I know, are, are all about getting it done. So, so hopefully, you, listeners, you've gotten a, a ton of value out of this. I know I have. Chris, thank you once again, my friend. Appreciate it. And listeners, have a great rest of your week. We will see you on the next episode of The Apartment Guys. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Apartment Guys with Tate Seymour. Tate and friends are grateful to have you as a loyal listener. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, review, and share with friends on your Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. 
Also, check out Tate's YouTube channel for videos of many of these episodes and more. Until next time, take massive action steps and rock on.